Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room Podcast. This Valentine's Day, as always, love is in the air, but what happens when love is in the workplace? Are there certain rules? Is it a thorny issue for employers? Or is all fair in love and work? Well, to speak to us about this today, we're delighted to be joined by Catherine Hayes, Managing Associate in the Employment Team at Lewis Silken, Ireland. Thanks for joining us, Catherine. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks very much for having me. Brilliant stuff. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, Founder and Managing Director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary? I'm great. Thanks, Owen. And pleasure to have you here, Catherine. Brilliant stuff. So look, we'll jump right in. Um, and Catherine, I'll come to yourself first. Obviously, HR, employment law, that's kind of the vibe we have here usually. So I know for this topic, just kind of a context setting kind of question, is there actual legislation on this, Catherine, on the whole topic of kind of workplace romance or what do we look for here when it comes to, I suppose, guidance on managing these kind of situations in the workplace? Yeah, so there there is no legislation um, which says romantic relationships are not allowed in the workplace or, or what rules apply. But I suppose in practice, it, it can lead to issues in the workplace. And I suppose the key pieces around where one employee has a more senior role to another or is their line manager. Um, they can have an impact, I suppose, when individuals work in the same team as well. But as a, as a general headline, I suppose the broad principles apply um, as they do to everyone in the workplace that employees should behave professionally and, and treat colleagues with respect. And I suppose that's the starting point as kind of a general comment on, on, on managing these situations. Um, so that's, yeah, I don't know, Mary, if you have any, any thoughts as well. I think it's one of those areas, isn't it, that it's really hard to put in place a policy for because how do you stop attraction? You know, you, you it's virtually impossible if people are attracted to each other and want to be together, they will find ways to do so. But it, I think it's all about how it actually impacts the workplace, isn't it? Um, and certainly in in uh, our investigations team, we actually do come across a lot of these relationships that maybe have gone wrong, turned a little bit sour, um, and allegations arising out of them at a later stage. So I think it's one of those um, interesting areas. But there's also great love stories. People meet get married, have families, you know, love each other, you know, wonderful stories too. So yeah. I don't want to be, I don't want to be miserable on Valentine's no. Day. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I mean, as you say, in most cases, it's it's great news and great stories, but I suppose it's just about, um, yeah, when there's potentials for a conflict of interests or where things go wrong or where there's, um, someone has a decision-making um capacity um, over somewhere they're in a personal relationship with that's where the issues arise yeah definitely so a lot to unpick there and a lot of different angles and um, and I know Catherine a couple of the words you mentioned there respect 
safety, all that kind of stuff. So we, we'll unpick that a little bit more as we go down through the conversation, I suppose. Um, so Mary, one thing you just mentioned there, policies. Is it typically something that, although there's no direct legislation, is it something that companies will typically have a policy on or is it something that clients kind of find quite tricky to handle? I know you've alluded to it there, but any more kind of perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, I've been asked this question lots uh, over the years around whether or not uh, a client of ours should consider putting in place a policy. But when it comes to policy, I guess you're looking at the um, the what what are we going to put in it? Are we going to outright ban uh, workplace relationships? Are we going to ask people to declare these relationships? Um, are we going to uh, take a heavy hand when we find out that somebody is in a relationship and, and the what ifs uh, come into it? And generally, um, I don't see them put in place. But I think what is important are codes of conduct um, and clear um I suppose, statements from the company around what is and isn't appropriate for a manager to do um, and can be addressed, I think, through your dignity at work policy, probably more appropriately than it would be um, in a standalone policy. So we don't tend to develop them here. They they are in the US, though. They, the, in the US, which uh, they have a very different approach to labour law, but in the US, you you do come across them um, and some of our clients maybe that have uh, US operations might look to implement something similar here in their Irish operations and you know generally again we'll be saying well you know it's different and we don't have that much of a I suppose step into people's personal lives um, but we can reasonably expect that people don't behave inappropriately physically in an office environment or in a workplace. We can expect that um, our managers are really conscious um, of their professional boundaries between them and those that report to them. Um, and, you know, I think people do need to be aware of love interest or a romantic relationship goes wrong in the workplace um, how might the company then or the organization then need to become involved in what you might see as a private matter and certainly when we investigate these kind of issues people are a little stunned that this, this is my personal life we're talking about but once the personal life comes into the workplace in some kind of an inappropriate way then the employer is entitled to uh, address it uh, and often that might be through workplace investigation maybe disciplinary action following it so there are lots of policies at play here uh, but a standalone one is is generally not something we implement or put in place or necessarily recommend but Catherine maybe maybe you you do I don't know yeah we don't I mean I'm, I'm an employment lawyer so if a client asks me do they want should they have a policy I'll often say yes because it is always good to have um, a policy so that everyone is clear in expectations but I really think the expectations should be limited to a lot of the things that you've already said that you know people are behaving appropriately and that the op because every you know employees have an absolute right to um their own privacy um so the 
obligation to notify or to disclose a relationship, I think if you are putting a policy in place, should only be limited to where there is um, potential for uh, influence at work. So where there is a line manager relationship, really. And then even in that case, it should be only disclosed confidentially um, to HR. It doesn't need to be shared more widely than that, but just to make sure that there, where there's even a perception um, of potential for bias or influence um, that isn't appropriate or that could lead to wider issues within the team um, that employees know that they should they should let HR know. Um, now, applying common sense, lots of employees will do that anyway. So depending on your particular workforce, you may not think you need to have a policy in place. But if there's a concern that in a wider um, organisation in particular, where there's lots of relationships and there might be um, a concern that there is a um, lack of awareness from senior management that this is something that they should be taken into account and disclose. Um, policies in place. But as I said, a lot of this is common sense, so it really depends on, on the particular organisation. And a lot of the things where things go wrong um, and where there is, if there's a relationship breakdown, um, as you said, Mary, a lot of that is addressed in the Dignity Work Policy or, or other policies, um, once again, where there is um, unprofessional behaviour um, that's addressed in other policies. Look, we kind of spoke a little bit about challenges there and, and you kind of alluded to some of them at the start, Catherine. Um, and there's a question I think I'll come to both of you for because I know there's a lot to talk about and unpick here. When it comes to challenges, Catherine, then just digging a little bit deeper, I suppose what are kind of the risks here? I know certain things maybe conflict of interest. Is there favoritism, conflict, all that kind of stuff? I know you mentioned a couple there, but can we, can we dig a bit deeper? I suppose? Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose there's the potential of conflict of interest depending on um, the working relationships and what, you know, what work people are doing and, and the nature of the work that's being done. Um, there's also the potential for a favor, even if there's not favoritism, there can be a fear of favoritism by others within the team. And similarly, uh, a, an actual or even a, an actual bias or, or just the perception of a bias around promotions, recruitment, um, scheduling of hours, you know, annual leave approvals, appraisals, any disciplinary agreements issues. I mean, it really kind of impacts the whole the whole Nate, the whole relationship um, that there could be um, actual bias or um, even just the perception of bias from others, um, which can have a negative impact on the team. Um, I suppose for senior leadership, it's it's even more important because that can have publicity risks. Um, uh, so that I mean, we've we've seen news stories um, over the years on that topic. I suppose generally there can be an adverse impact on team dynamics. Um, but I suppose it's just all about transparency. I know I talked earlier about, you know, confidentiality. Um, and, you know, there is employees have an expectation to confidentiality. But I suppose where it's a senior junior um, relationship, um, that's where, you know, I suppose you need to contact. You need to, I suppose the issues can arise and HR should really know. Definitely. And look, I suppose, Mary, similar question to yourself then around those kind of challenges, risks, conflict of interest, favouritism. Um, is that something we see coming up pretty often? I know certain industries will have particularly, I know we mentioned to some industries or some, most companies may not necessarily have a policy, but some industries might have specific conflict of interest issues, that kind of stuff. Can we just take a little bit deeper into, I suppose, the issues you've seen over the years, anything that's come across 
our desk for, uh, from clients and that kind of thing. This could be a very long podcast recording, <laughs> uh, Owen and Catherine, if we go into all the things I've seen over the years. Um, some of the most bitter conflicts that I have ever been involved in in the workplace um, have arisen because of workplace relationships. So some of the things that I have seen over the years, I've seen um, bullying, uh, where there are couples involved um, and whether they're same sex, different sex, um, whatever the nature of the relationship, sometimes I have seen that taking place, which it makes it complex um, because, you know, certainly when it comes to an investigation, as an investigator, often you're not aware of this at the outset and it's, it starts being implied or alluded to or outright stated during an investigation. So that's one thing I've seen uh, arising in, in bullying allegations, which is complicated by a relationship. Um, I have seen um, relationships break up in the workplace and become bitter um, with maybe one partner not willing to accept the breakup of the relationship and therefore behaving inappropriately in the workplace and maybe in an angry way, maybe in a pestering way um, and maybe involved in an inappropriate way in that relationship on an ongoing basis because they can't accept that the relationship is over. So that that is a, another one um, that I have seen. Uh, I have seen issues around sexual harassment in relationships that have gone wrong um, and, you know, someone not accepting that the relationship is over and touching another person in a way that that per is unwelcome to that person. And the fact that they had a previous relationship, does it come into it? Does it not? Um, you know, there, uh, there can be bitterness around that. I have seen uh, senior managers behave inappropriately with junior um, employees and maybe again when those relationships break up, uh, hurt feelings and allegations of uh, somebody wishing to push someone out of a business because they're no longer wanted because the relationship has ended or at least that's the allegation. So I have seen a lot of things in my days, I often think I could write a book just about what I've seen when love goes wrong in the workplace. Um, and look, I'm I'm a bit of a, a romantic by my nature. I'm a big Jane Austen fan. I love the you know the silent looks and the glances and all the rest of it. It can all sound and be very romantic at the outset. Um, but as I always say to my own children. You know, think twice before you enter into a workplace relationship. It's normal. It's natural. It's it, it's if you find someone attractive, you might think about doing it. But you do have to think about status. You do have to think about future. You do have to think about your the perception that other people will have of your relationship. Um, you do need to think about your own behavior towards others in a couple relationship in the workplace. And, um, you know, the, the basic principles around dignity and respect and and um, professionalism apply in all situations. So I'm sure you have seen equally horrific tales or heard tales and seen strange things as well, Catherine. Absolutely, yeah. And I just the the the, the real legal risks, I suppose, 
are when things go wrong and when there is, you know, relationship breakdowns and it can have very wide implications. And when it's in the workplace, it's, yeah, how do you, you know, is it, is it harassment? Is it, um, you know, in the course of employment? Um, and that's, that's where the employer then, not, not to jump on ahead to some things we other, we might speak about in a minute, but I suppose that's where the employer um, has obligations and responsibilities to its employees. Definitely. When you're dead right, Catherine, it's something we will actually explore in a minute because it's, it's one of the questions we had written down. I think it's an important one. Um, we'll just jump back into a, a, another one first. Um, <clears throat> and I suppose, based on one of the things Mary said there, Catherine, around the kind of, I suppose, the unwanted advances kind of stuff. I know it's, it's breaking off from, from romance now a fair bit, but it's all within the same bucket, I suppose, um, yeah. when it comes to managing it. But I suppose with those kind of, unwanted advances the kind of dignity at work stuff and which of a challenge is that for employers and again I suppose what's the what's the advice there on, on effectively managing it yeah so I mean unwanted advances are a completely different issue but I suppose um they are where we might get called um to ask how what the employer um need to do um in that kind of situation and that's going back to your dignity of work, your anti-bullying harassment policy and the importance of having that. And in those kind of cases, it's always a go to your policy. Um, what's set out there? What, um, you know, follow your process. Has a complaint been made? What are the concerns? Is it in the course of employment? That That is where it becomes um, quite difficult to manage. It's challenging, but it has to be looked at, has to be taken seriously and it has to be addressed. Absolutely. And Mary, I, I suppose that kind of on that as well around the whole dignity of work thing. And I know, again, as I said, obviously a separate issue, but it's, it's something when we're talking about the management of these things and the escalations and the, the things that are similar to them. When it comes to that dignity of work kind of question, Mary, I mean, there, there is times and issues where this might rear its head a little bit more. I'm thinking kind of Christmas parties, work nights out, that kind of stuff. Mary, it's always a challenge there as well, isn't it, for the, those kind of unwanted advances, inappropriate behaviour, just building on a couple of things we've already said. Absolutely. And look, again, when it comes to workplace investigations, our peak periods uh, when everybody else is winding down at Christmas and uh, in January when they return to work, we're dealing with sexual harassment allegations that have arisen from the Christmas party. Um, and, you know, anywhere where you have drink or drugs or um, fun and revelry or nights out or, you know, it's harder to regulate behaviour because you just don't know how people uh, will act. I have seen some real horror stories arising from work nights out where there is drink involved. And I think a lot of HR people these days, you know, think very carefully about how much alcohol is being supplied uh, at these uh, nights out. But if somebody is somewhere in the course of their work and would only be there because of their work, it is an extension of work. And the behaviour of the individuals, the employees themselves, management, uh, clients, you know, people that are at these events, whatever those events are, um, the company is liable for the behaviour and the treatment of the individual. So it, it, it is a really tricky area and I think it's one of those areas that actually employees don't really understand all that well. You know, often when we do dignity at work training uh, for our clients, you know, one of the questions I would ask, you know, how often is it okay 
to ask someone you're attracted to to go on a date with you? And the answers vary from, well, you know, if I know someone likes me, I'll be persistent to once and definitely never again or, or no, I'd be terrified to ask anybody any, anything or anywhere. Um, and so different people do different things. But, you know, my mantra is don't touch anyone at work. Um, keep keep things professional. Don't lay your hands on an individual um, unless you are certain it is wanted um, and welcome. And, you know, giving people lifts after a night out, um, walking them home, walking them to the rooms in a hotel, all of these things are the subject of investigations that we have conducted here at Insight HR over the years. Um, and I always feel sorry for the individuals involved because it's traumatic. It's traumatic for everyone. But a single inst incident constitutes sexual harassment. Um, and the reality is, um, as HR professionals, we should be telling our people um, what they can and can't do and what the consequences might be if they cross a line, uh, particularly when it comes to sexual harassment. With bullying, you know, it's repeated inappropriate behaviour. With sexual harassment, it's one single incident. And so I think it's not understood well enough across organisations what is and isn't appropriate. Uh, certainly from our experience, when, when we investigate these matters, people are genuinely shocked that something they perceive is relatively harmless um, or which was unwelcome or is unwelcome to the other person could be considered sexual harassment. So it, it's something that I'm pretty passionate about HR people ensuring that their people, the organisation, the management teams understand and don't minimise these issues when they come up. 100% and you hit the nail on the head there, Mary, with the, the perception, the word of perception, because I think that's why it was kind of that whole topic, the escalation, the variance, the, the reason your work stuff is technically part of this conversation because it's that perception thing, isn't it? So, it's, so that's the, for listeners, that's the link of what we were trying to go for there to, to talk about it because it's not all about the positive side of things as well. I mean, the actual romance was obviously other issues and perceptions, that kind of thing. Did we talk about anything positive yet? Maybe <laughs> maybe we should focus a little on the joy that can come out of these beautiful relationships. Just, there's enough cards going around today, I wouldn't worry too much. <laughs> um, and then back to another, and we actually will, I think, in a minute, but another thing that we mentioned before that as well, Catherine, again, that kind of liability um, question, I suppose, and it's probably, I'm not sure if that's the right word for it, but I suppose the simple question Catherine, going back to it, is can the company be, I suppose, held to account or implicated if things go wrong with workplace romance? Big question. No, you but. use the, yeah, you use exactly the right term. Um, they can be held liable. And I suppose just to, to echo and to add to, to what Mary was saying, I suppose, just about um, perception and intention and the intention um, is irrelevant. It's all about um what the person who is at the receiving end of the behaviours, how they perceive it and how they feel about it, which is something that people really struggle to get their head around because um, for something you perceive as very innocent, um, the person who um, as the 
who's the recipient of that behaviour may have an entirely different view. But yes, employers um, can be held liable. And I suppose that's why we're talking about this today to, um, and why um, Mary um, was emphasising the importance of, of HR, of being aware about it, um, because, it, you know, once the action is in the course of employment, um, there is uh, liability by employers um, for the acts of their employees where they're harassing um, other employees and that they don't even need to know about it. Um, it can be done without their knowledge and they can still be held liable. And um, the maximum awards are pretty significant. Um, there's two years for discrimination, which sexual harassment is discrimination, and then two years for victimization. When I say two years, I mean two years paying benefits. Um, and victimization is essentially where there's been adverse treatment um, in response to an individual bringing a complaint. Um, the WRC, these are all complaints to the WRC who can also um, issue orders to take a course of action, which could be training policies. They have quite wide powers um, in that respect. And then there's also the publicity and damage to reputation by a WRC decision, which is picked up in the media. And then completely separate to that, um, which isn't that common, but is a remedy. Um, employees can bring a claim to the circuit court on the grounds of gender discrimination, which again is what sexual harassment is. And there's unlimited jurisdiction, which is terrifying. Um, and I suppose it's why it's important for this to be on um, business agendas, because it can have significant consequences if it goes wrong, if, if employers... Um, don't have a policy in place because um, if employers have taken reasonable steps, that's a defence to a complaint of um, sexual harassment or, uh, you know, yeah, well, complaint of sexual harassment. I did. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't necessarily um, defend a complaint of victimisation because that's an, an entirely different complaint. But for certainly for um, sexual harassment, and this means um, that employers have a policy in place, a dignity work policy, and there's a code from February 22 which explains what employers need to put in place, and um, that the policy is publicised to employees. It's, it's not much use if there's a policy that no one's aware of. Um, that training is given on the policy and that any complaints are taken seriously and that actions are taken where there is um, bad behaviours under the policy. 100%. So I suppose, yes, yeah. in short, if they can be held to account if things go Definitely. wrong. Glad we covered that because there's a lot of risks and and it, I suppose laying out the, the, what can go wrong there is, is very important. Uh, and I suppose, Mary, good point. We have talked a little bit about when things go wrong, but by the nature of our work, by Catherine's work, and why our listeners are listening into us, they want advice on what can happen when things go wrong. So we won't apologise for, for covering that because I think it was quite important. But I suppose, Mary, there's an element to this that we do have to nod to, that sometimes we can just let this be, can't we? In the, I mean, in the, when nothing goes wrong, when everything is okay, happy couples in the workplace, What's the advice around that? Is it okay to just, I suppose, because you can't, it's a tough one to, to ask me, you know, because right? you can't understand every couple. You can't say they're getting on fine. That's fine. But what's the, I think, you know, what I'm trying to ask here, what's the the line where HR can say that's okay or that's not okay? Tough question. Yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? Mm. Own, I, I mean, can 
your employer interfere in the privacy of your personal relationship and I would say if it's a happy relationship and it's not affecting anything in work it's not really the employer's business um but you know we are in the area of dealing with it when it goes wrong no one no one rings our helpline to say that to we've we've found that two of our employees are in love and they're they're moving in together and and they're actually having a family together and it's wonderful and they just wanted to let us know that just doesn't happen in our world we live in a darker world than that where the calls we get in are two of our employees uh, were found in an inappropriate position observed by somebody else they were maybe uh, having sexual relations in in the workplace what do we do or we might get a call to say we have an allegation that's come in verbally about something that's happened between couples in the workplace or you know these are the kind of calls that we get if if it's not your business if it's not affecting anything at work if two people are happy together and and involved in a relationship, it's not your business. And I wouldn't try and regulate it. I think it's important to outline um, the codes of conduct, what's, what's expected from a manager, what's expected from employees. Um, I think management should be aware of um, how crossing a boundary with a subordinate might have an implication for their career somewhere down the line um, and so that they do want to consider these things before embarking on a personal relationship in the workplace um, and you know outlining what you know in my experience when things go wrong in a love or a romantic relationship in the workplace it's rare that the two people continue to work in the same organization um, because things can become particularly and especially bitter. Um, and those conflicts and the um, consequences for individuals can be quite significant. So it, I do think in HR we have a duty to you know, not necessarily encourage relationships to stay out of them if we don't need to be involved in them, but outline what we expect in terms of behavior in the workplace, what we expect in terms of behavior, uh, parties and events, um, and ensure that our own behavior is modeling what we, and senior management's behavior is modeling what we're talking about. Um, you know, often culturally, you can have a, a challenge uh, around the behavior maybe of, of management, um, that can be an issue and people's perception of what is and isn't sexual harassment um, needs to be, you know, taught to people so that they understand that that one single incident might constitute it. And, and what's the implication then for somebody's career? Um, and when these things hit the media, it's a real problem. And sexual harassment is one of those things that does hit the media but I always find and it's interesting you know we we publish a lot of content on as as you know um around all sorts of matters relevant to HR not not just sexual harassment but the thing that's probably least shared least liked um where people are least engaged 
um, they they read it. We know they read or they listen to it because we see we you know we know what our downloads are and we know what, the, what how many visitors we have to our content and all all the rest. We know all that, but they don't like and share it. And so it's still a bit oh, taboo in one, uh, I suppose, in some senses, isn't it, Owen? I, I don't know if you'd agree with me around that. It's, 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 uh, it's, and I hear that from other employment lawyers and, and things like that as well, that, you know, people don't want to talk about this stuff. It's such a sensitive subject, isn't it? Mm, definitely. Yeah, it really is. But it, but it needs to be discussed in the mm. workplace so, so we can prevent people just making these, mistakes 100 percent. that's it i think so. i suppose the perfect segue to my final question and which will come to both of you far again but yourself first catherine it, when we are given advice and guidance to employers on this whole concept of workplace romance and the obviously the, the variations the escalations and the, the other perceptions that might go with it unfortunately i suppose the, the real advice is do what you can in a preventative way but if it's not i suppose affecting the business it's not your business is that kind of a a fair summary. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, essentially, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. You've, you've you've got it in a nutshell, really. Um, I I would add that I suppose for senior management, echoing what what Mary was saying, that they should be aware that if there is a personal relationship with someone they're managing, that they need to bring that to um to the attention of HR, even on a confidential basis. Um. Because that is where um, the bias or perceptions of bias can arise. And that's where a lot of the problems that the more preventable problems might be able to be managed. Obviously, um, other uh, difficulties that arise in the workplace, they're they're not really preventable. um, But those ones are more easy to address um, sooner and engage with the, the manager on it. Definitely, and this was a similar question to yourself, Mary. Yeah, and, and Owen, we didn't even talk about affairs so yeah, yes. <laughs> in the workplace, which uh, bring their own particular uh, flavour to them as well. So, uh, you know, we, we talked maybe a little on this podcast, like it was all uh, single people entering into relationships together. Um, sometimes it's not. Sometimes we're talking about an affair and that affair can be, you know, at, at a junior level. It can be at a senior level. It can be a manager with with someone that reports to them. And those things typically don't get reported to HR to say, hey, heads up, I'm having an affair. Um, and so it it's one of the trickier elements of love in the workplace too so just to bear that in mind so really all we can do mary kind of find word yourself really is that kind of guidance talk about expected behaviors talk about what not to do and i suppose hope for the best and let the let the love flourish i suppose mary is it <laughs> I don't know if we should finish on that note, Owen. <laughs> in, in, certainly, certainly in the in the Jane Austen world yes. of uh, romance, <laughs> yeah, let the love flourish. But uh, I think just mind your own business if it's not affecting the business. That's my final word on it. And that was that was in jest as well to to get the get the guidance out of it. Don't worry. Brilliant. So look, thank you, Mary Cat, <laughs> for a very uh, practical, insightful, and and enjoyable discussion. I think an important one as well because as as we say, it's not all it's not all positive. There can be some, some issues here, so it's great to, to cover those. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. we we'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast, so don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. If you are enjoying these episodes, do please feel free to share them, 
please feel free to share them with colleagues, friends, and family. And even better, if you can leave us a review on whatever platform you're on, we'd really appreciate that too. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at InsideHR.ie. Thank you, Catherine, and thank you, Mary. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Inside HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.